starting today's show on, unfortunately, a somber note. It's a Friday, but this city lost somebody who was called the king here. Uh, Boreas Salming passed away at 71 yesterday. And, and before we kind of get into the rest of the show, I just want to take a couple of minutes to yeah, express my condolences to his family and to the hockey community at large. Um, that lost, yeah, a, a titan in the game. Somebody who was extremely well respected in the city, revered by many, and a, a hero to many others. Uh, Boreas Salman passes at age 71, obviously had an incredibly difficult battle with ALS. Um, just a few thoughts for me. Obviously, I never watched Boreas Salming play. But as a Leaf fan, and I've expressed this before, one of the greatest things about it is that you are part of something that stretches back generations. It's meant something to a lot of people for a very long time. And he was clearly a legend. He was clearly a pioneer, which has been discussed a ton over the past couple of weeks. But he's a a postmark player for a franchise that means more than a lot of other franchises. I, I, I read somebody a couple of weeks ago, uh, I, it was, I guess right before the Hockey Hall of Fame game when there were discussions about whether or not Salming was going to show up or not. And the, the take was a good one, that this, the Leafs organization, you know, especially post-67, has they just they haven't had all-time great players ever they've had very famous players right and especially during the original six era it's kind of hard to quantify or translate what some of those guys mean from that era but if you go through the history of this franchise an original six team they've they've never had a lemieux or a gretzky you know matthews is probably going to end up um the franchise's most talented and greatest player, you know? Matt Sundin was a, a great player, a hockey Hall of Famer, but they've never had one of the greatest ones. And Salming, in part because of that, in part because who he was as a pioneer and his toughness and his career stands out at the very, very top for this franchise. Uh, my buddy CJ tweeted yesterday out his newsletter and... I didn't know this. Boris Salming finished top five in Norris each of his first seven NHL seasons. Again, this was a guy who couldn't just have been focusing on his play and a guy who would have been treated extremely difficult and extremely differently than a lot of his other peers, which has been reiterated by all of his teammates over the last couple of weeks. You know what he means to Sweden? If you listen to this podcast, you heard the way that Matt Sundin talked about him. You heard yesterday how heartbreaking it was to hear William Nylander speak about him. He, he is an icon in Sweden. He is the guy that paved the way for them. He is the guy that showed Swedish great players that they could perform here. That they could play in the toughest league in the world here in North America. And really all I want to say is I, I can't get over how strong 
that guy was. To show up, to be here for that Hockey Hall of Fame game, when it was such an important class to Sweden, when Matt Sundin came into the building and stand up in front of a crowd, be there with his family, and be present. It's, it's astounding. Like, that's the only way to put it. It is astounding that he was able to do this, especially given how rapidly the decline was. And, yeah, it's going to be a moment. Those two nights that weekend, they are going to be moments that I think almost every single Leaf fan with a pulse is going to carry, yeah, until their final days. So, yeah, seeing him stand there with Matt Sundin, seeing him stand there with Daryl Sittler, seeing him stand there with his family, having, you know, there's always the, I saw yesterday too that the last Leaf game before he passed ends up being a score of 2-1, their 21st game of the season. I'm not always a huge believer in a lot of the mystic, but every once in a while there's a thing that just makes you want to believe a little harder. And that's it. I, I just think that as a city, we say thanks to somebody who gave a lot here. And we appreciate that you got a moment like that where everybody got to share their love with him one last time and that he got to collect it, receive it, and appreciate it one last time. So thank you, Boreas Salming. We'll take a quick break and we'll come back. All right. So... Big day in the NFL yesterday. Uh, got a lot of takeaways. But before we do that, Jobo, um, this is just about as big of a... This is the first time an NFL Sunday has happened where I have cared infinity more about the other thing that's going on. Like, I, I just... there, There is zero part of me that cares. I shouldn't say zero part of me. But my... Like, I'm a pretty big Seahawks fan. And this weekend... Is big. They got like the Raiders are this old school before my time, even really rival right. that people went, they're a rival of yours. And I went, okay, it's <laughs> played them every year in the preseason. It's the Raiders. I go, okay. <laughs> and now they're in Vegas and they're in different conferences. But still, I kind of care about them beating them. Nothing close to Croatia. So you and I are yeah. going to, uh, we have Grant Wall on the show today. Nice little booking by Mark mm. Boffo, host of uh, Football with Grant Wall, one of the biggest soccer writers on the planet. Um, so we're going to ask him about the, the wave that Canada is making in Qatar mm. right now. Um, probably a little overstated by us, just considering that it is the World Cup and every day there's something else yeah. huge, right? And Well, this World Cup especially, there's a new story yeah. every single day. You see that the Saudi guys are getting Rolls Royces? Yeah. <laughs> They're getting everything. Man, all of a sudden there's going to be dudes from other countries that are going to go, yeah, I'm Saudi. Yeah. Well, it's also, it's a national holiday now. Yeah. No, that that's I, incredible. But that I get. That's yeah. kind of an easy one to let the people have. Yeah. Everybody gets Big a Rolls Royce. How many Rolls Royces are there? <laughs> How, like, are these... Did, I thought that was like a really... I'm not a car guy. But I assume that... Listen, I'm sure a Saudi prince can get his hand on yeah. that many Rolls Royces. But also, what's the cutoff line, right? Is it only the players? Do the coaches get one? If well, you're on you the coaching think, staff, like, or if, you're the, if you're a trainer, right? right. Where's the cutoff line? Because it sucks. Or, or if you're like a scout or something like that. Like, no, you brought some of the players to the club. See, that's what I'm saying, though. There, what yeah, if somebody comes go. and shows up and goes, dude, this guy's only here because of Because this, of dude. me. Or, yeah. Or, yeah. 
Yeah. No. Interesting. Do you see the video of uh, after they scored the second goal and the guys like in Saudi, yeah. they just took the door off the frame. Yeah, it was sick. And walked out with it. Yeah, sick. I absolutely yeah. loved it. No, everything about that other than the team that won was great. Um, so what's the John Herdman's taking some heat? He's, he's taking heat. He's on the cover of a Croatian tabloid, right? Yeah. That's a tabloid. Yeah. And they they did him dirty, obviously. If I'm Herdman, I'm breaking out the grays today. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm, I'm breaking out the grays today. I'm not I'm not letting this stand. I'm not letting that one I'm, go. No, hell no. I'm not doing letting that one stand. Anyways, they he got put on a Croatian newspaper with a tiny little uh, maple leaf over the genitalia. And mm-hmm. I mean, tiny, like it's, they, they crushed, they crushed our guy. <laughs> yeah. I no, saw that was pissed off. I was pissed off. I woke up. I ha- I didn't even have coffee. I was just opened up my, I opened up to I took a little peek and I was like, the first you know thing what? You saw? He was right. F Croatia. I was so pissed off. So mad. Um, tough time to be Croatian in the city. Yeah. Tough right time. Now. Because, like, we got a big Croatian population. Croatian mm-hmm. dude's proud, proud as hell. Yeah, well, four years ago, it was everybody was rooting for hell Croatia. Hell yeah. And, and that's now it's... Sweetest kits going. Oh, yeah. No question. Not a question. Not a shadow of a doubt. Sweetest gear. It's absolutely sweetest gear. Yeah. Have a couple of buddies that are like that. Who, Croatian buddies who are a little torn right now. Because they ride or die for the country hard. Yeah. They ride yeah. or die for the country hard. That's not like a passive one. That's no, like a no, they're you're, serious. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So I don't know. I actually, if you if you're a Croatian, say you got to fire, you got to fire us a little message yeah. here. Like I, how you I have a lot of Croatian buddies, and they're all like super fired up. Four years ago, it was insane. Yeah, but they got to watch it alone. You can't go to the sports bar with that one because your true colors yeah. are gonna get revealed. Your yeah, true colors are gonna get revealed. It's tough. I, I listen. I don't blame some people because you've been rooting for something as yeah. your most passionate thing for your entire life. And now all of a sudden Canada's in it and you're going. And they're actually like decent. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it, it just, it's, it's a hard thing to do to check both. I 100% get that yeah. element of it. I do think that if you are first generation, mm-hmm. it's harder. If you're second generation. Like you've lived in third. Canada. If you're third yeah. generation, I honestly, I'm sorry. I don't want to ever hear that you have torn allegiances. Like you're <laughs> from here. Your parents were from here. Enough. <laughs> like enough. You're allowed if Canada's out. But if they're playing each other directly, there should be no part of you that goes, oh, I hope it's a cl-. No, you just yeah. want Canada to win. Anyway, um, I, I actually would be curious to hear from our Croatian brothers and sisters about how they felt about the F. Because <laughs> it was... Because clearly what he meant was, yeah, we're going to go. It was, we're, we're going to take go it to him. And it's just sports, right? This yeah. is sports. It's it's clearly not John Herdman going, here's what I think about this country. The whole, the whole yeah. Croatian people. So I don't know. It, obviously, a tabloid mag is going to spin that out yeah, in Croatia. Sure. And you're going to try to make that bulletin board material. So I get that side of it, too. But anybody with half a brain has to know that what yeah. this actually is. Anyways, he clarified the comments. Did, how, I hope, did our boy backtrack too hard? He did. So I'll read. I'll read you the quote verbatim. Oh, so it comes from uh, their their don't, training don't session. I, I wish he doubled down. And he Thursday? was like, and I, he did the Conor McGregor. Well, and I apologize. To absolutely nobody. I wish he did that so no, bad. No, I, I think you're gonna like his response. Okay, I let's go. Hit me. So they asked him about. Um, they asked him if his F Croatia statement was going to be an underestimating statement about the 2018 World Cup runners-ups. How they framed it, and he said. Great question. Yeah, I did. Great I mean, question. Great question. <laughs> Great I mean, question. You say those things in an impassioned moment trying to inspire your team in a huddle. And when you're asked a question, what did you say that huddle? It, it's what I said. It's not massively respectful to Croatian people and the Croatian national team. I love that. It's I not under- massively respectful. I yeah. love how he went complete opposite spin with this of, hey, it, it wasn't... 
the most respectful. No, it was disrespectful, but yeah. it's okay. Continue. Respectfully, it was disrespectful. I understand very well where we're at on the world stage, but mm-hmm. at that moment, you enter the next place. You take your team to that next place. We're here to be fearless and bring mm-hmm. everything we've got to that game. I mean no disrespect to the Croatian team and the Croatian people, but at the end of the day, it's a mindset that Croatia is going to have, Canada is going to have, if we're going to have three points against one of the top teams in the world. It's the mindset we took to Belgium. We have to. It's part of new Canada. Yeah, sick. John Herdman yeah. crushing it again. Yeah. He's this man dude. can do no wrong. Yeah. This man can absolutely do no wrong. I read that and I was ready to suit up. <laughs> I was ready to go. Again, pass. <laughs> <laughs> I would much rather have yeah. Tejon Buchanan on the field yeah, than me. I think so. My touch is not that good. I sneaky believe. I sneaky still really believe. What do you think is the main key to this game? Because they've got a, a stud midfield. They're they older stud guys. Midfield. Their goalie is apparently big time suspect because they didn't. They don't have a clear cut number he's, one. He's he's the new guy. Yeah. So yeah. the the big thing about this game, Croatia's midfield is one of the most complete in the entire tournament. So I'm not going to say they're the best, but they're definitely near the, near the top mm-hmm. because they're elite on both sides of the ball. So mm-hmm. it's Luka Modric just coming off yeah, a Champions yeah. League win. He's phenomenal. He won the Ballon d'Or in 2018. He was the World Cup MVP in 2018. Yeah, I feel like bringing up even the age of some of these guys is a is a bit of a yeah. he's 37. False flag. He's 37. He moves like he's 27. Yeah, like he is phenomenal. Yeah, they got uh, Marcelo Brozovic plays for Inter Milan. He's one of the best central defensive midfielders in the world. He does not turn the ball over, and he's very solid back there. This but, isn't great because Canada's been killed down the middle before. So Stefan Eustachio is going to have to step up big uh. time. And they also have Mateo Kovacic, who is box-to-box, can play on both sides of the yeah. ball. And the, the thing about these guys, too, is they're very mobile. They close spaces very quickly, and they're always running. They're always going. They don't stop. They're the engine. They're the motor. So that middle three is going to be – like that's the backbone of why Croatia, during qualifying, they shut out six teams in a row. Like, they are a very good defensive side when they're on. And the the big part about this game, and I'm going to throw a stat. You know I'm a stat guy. So I'm going to throw a stat at you, and you can help me punch the point home. So Josko Gavardiol is their center back. Like, they're 20 years old. They're wonder kid. Yeah. So he's very strong, good technically, great awareness, good defensively. But the key part about him, he links up play very well with the midfield. So since FIFA started recording stats like this, so 1966... He is the youngest player ever to record 100 passes or more in a World Cup game. He overpasses is what my... And he had 103. He overpasses. This At game, 90% accuracy. Take advantage. 90% accuracy. That's 10% Canada getting in and <laughs> intercepted. In, and but here's my... The, the key part about that, though, is when you... So obviously, we're an audio show. I can't show the graphic. But when you look at yeah, the, the, the display of his passing, it's even left, right, midfield. Mm-hmm. And... He's got great spray chart. Yes, he does, and he links up well with those three guys. And from the game against Morocco, so he blocked a shot, which you'd be like, oh, he blocked one shot, sick. Canada only had three on target against yeah, Belgium. Yeah. So if you have a guy taking away 33% so of your shots on target. So you're saying this guy is actually the underrated story in terms of what's going to kill Canada. All right, this is good. enough of uh, anti-Canada propaganda. I, like, well, I, okay, I, yeah. I want to say one last thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm good. trying to. Don't boo. Don't boo, don't boo my work. That was actually fired. Like, we just got a ton of info from Jobo. That's bad. Boo yourself, Austin. I'm, That's I'm, bad. I'm still loading up on it, too. I'm, I'm not even done yet. Yeah, so let's wrap it up. Okay, I'm sorry. My fault. Um, he also had six accurate long balls downfield. Mm-hmm. How did Canada concede their only goal? Yeah. A long ball down the field. One touch, bang. Down the middle. And Croatia has guys like Ivan Perisic down the left side. They can do that. Croatia, out of qualifying European nations, had the most cross crosses that led to a chance creation, so a shot or an assist. Mm-hmm. Ivan Perisic, a big part of that. So what I'm, I'm getting from a lot of this, Joe, is that 
this is going to be a much tougher matchup than Belgium. I, even from the beginning, I was more scared of Croatia mm-hmm. than I was of Belgium because Croatia's gritty too. Like, so why do most people then have, like, if you were looking at most prognosticators, they mm-hmm. had Belgium coming out of the group, and usually when it was an upset special, it was Canada. Because people, go, people get confused by the Croatian age. They see, oh, four years ago they were in the World Cup final, but mm-hmm. now they're all four years older. Mario Mandzukic, their so striker, that's what I'm that tournament's so this is, gone. This is a trick. This is a, this is a red herring. It their is a red herring. The red herring. Yes, it is. Luka Modric Great. is moving like he's 25. Yeah. Like, the age has not slowed him down at all. It's a lot different with guys, again, for Toggin and Toby Alderweireld with Belgium is because they are clearly much older. Eden Hazard, clearly much older. Mm. Croatia does not move like that. They, and especially in big tournaments, too, they've only been FIFA eligible and Euro eligible for seven editions of those tournaments. And mm. they only haven't qualified twice. Yeah. They show up in big moments. They went to the World Cup Finals in 2018. God. Like they always meet or exceed expectations. Joe, this this pissed me off because yes, the, all that being we were said, doing, we were doing the take. You were doing the take of losers like the Leafs with Belgium and how they are chokers. And this is this was my nightmare. I've told you this was my nightmare. It's like I believe in Canada, but this is starting to f- swell up and feel like uh, a, a situation where everyone is going to be regretting the Belgium missed opportunity even more because Croatia is going to come out and be a little bit more humbling. Dude, that's why that penalty kick miss. Like I felt that in my gut because I was like, Everybody did. if we lose this game against Belgium and we got to go up against a Croatian team who does not fold in big moments in, in, in the 2018 world cup run. And they, again, who's coming off of a draw and is playing for the win. They're they playing know, for they, the win. They know and, how important it's going to be because Belgium's very likely to beat Morocco. And then Belgium's going to end up. Yeah. With four points in the group. I and, would be surprised if Morocco tied Belgium, but you're right. They, they're the favorite in that well, game. No, but even still, if you just think about it from Croatia's standpoint, yeah. I, I was, I was mentioning this to McKee on least talk the other night, how the, the one break Canada could have gotten would have been playing Croatia last and having the Morocco game first and having mm. a game where Croatia would have played Belgium and beaten them yeah. so that they would have known already kind of, oh, right, this is where we are in the standings. We've already got Belgium beat, play Canada last. Mm-hmm. Maybe the one place where the age factor shows up a bit is those guys knowing that they're already qualified and not pressing every single button and treating it like it's a game seven against Canada. Mm-hmm. This is now going to be a game seven for both sides. One of these sides has zero experience in this in these spots, and you just mentioned it. The other one the comes other, through basically every single time in the clutch. Yeah, in 2018, they were in a group with Argentina, yeah. Nigeria, yeah, and Iceland, who at yeah. the time was just coming off a 2016 yeah. Euro no. run where yeah, they, they were beat hot. England. Yeah, they were real hot. Croatia mopped that entire group. They scored seven goals, only conceded once, all nine points. And then the, the crazy part is, and mm-hmm. this leads me to a point, is in the knockout stages, they went down in every single game, twice in the first five minutes. What does that tell you about their mentality? They don't give up. Like, they don't fold after the first couple minutes of, ah, we're down. All right, this is enough now. You're right. You know what? You pushed it too far. Now I'm feeling now. Now I'm down in the dumps. I was already kind of sad today. You know I came in sad. (laughs) Like, it's just not, it's not a good day. But there, there's a silver lining for Canada, and this is the way that they can exploit Croatia. Yeah, let's get to that now. Very athletic. They have speed, and they abused Belgium with it. Mm -hmm. Abused Belgium with it. And Croatia, their weakness is up front. They have Andre Kramerich, who he's he's decent and he can finish. But yeah, but Canada can't get a draw here. This is what's annoying. I, I know they can't get a draw. I'm saying that shut the door. Mm. Oh, hit my own computer. Shut the door because Kramerich is not a world class striker. Shut the door. This up is what front. we heard about Belgium too. I know, but I'm like, it's it's a tough game. Like it's it's hard to spin it in a way where it's like, yeah, Canada's definitely going to win. No, no, it's there's gonna no be definitely going to win. I just yeah, I think that if we were. 
that Candace hoped throughout this entire tournament was that they were a really, really speedy team. This is why the Davis thing was so huge. Yeah. And man, upon seeing that first game, as good as this program is right now and as big of a step that they've taken and that they didn't have Davies for so much of qualifiers, including the USA game that they yeah. won here in Hamilton. He is just so incredibly important for them. So the, yeah, he was, yeah, Buchanan was great in that game too. He was, I thought their second best player, but the amount that Davies created, if Davies buries that kick, mm-hmm. if he, if he buries that penalty, it's a completely different narrative for him coming out of that game. And, and that is one where we're having a discussion about world stage, blah, 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 blah. Canada wins one, nothing. He buries the penalty kick. We're talking about how he's got stones yeah. and he's got, he's the guy that's the man of the match. He clearly gets it over De Bruyne. Um, Anyway, yeah. I well, De Bruyne himself even said, "I don't even know how I got it." Yeah, yeah, I, I, I just whew, that was a lot in terms of reasons to not believe in this. Like there, now, now you've basically got me on Canada. <laughs> this is the real counterpunch game that we were expecting. This in the first is the one. test that Canada. Like this is the yeah. test I was waiting for the whole time. The Belgium game, it sucked. Canada played better than they did. They deserved the points. But that's the thing. Like in the in a international uh, competition, the draw, like you're still this, in it. you draw on a loss, you're still in it. Now you can't have the two losses. You can't have the yeah. This is this is a pain. Yeah, you, you have to. You have to. We have. You have to hope that Morocco can get a result against Belgium. Yeah, that's going to be a key point here. But on their day, Canada is capable of beating Croatia because Croatia did not create a lot of offense against Morocco, and they were they were good defensively. That's because Morocco it, doesn't it's have goal differential, much offense right? either. Yeah. Yeah. And Canada only lost one nothing. That's what I'm saying. So technically, you could hope for some. They're still in this. Like you it's could far hope for over. some beautiful Morocco, Croatia, or sorry, Morocco, Belgium. Yeah, like nil, look, nil look draw. at the upsets we've seen so far. Uh-huh. Japan over Germany, Saudi Arabia over Argentina. Like this stuff happens in international competitions. But you're more hoping for a low-scoring draw. No. no, 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 no. You're hoping for the Morocco win. I'm hoping for a Morocco win. Yeah, you are. 100%. Absolutely. 100%. No, I was just trying to, I love trying to figure out all these games. With like the Although a 0 0 draw would not be bad. That no, 0 0 draw would be. That's what I'm saying. Are we hoping for a 0 0 draw? Are we hoping for a 1 0 Morocco win? I wouldn't be mad at either because Canada's chance of beating Morocco is yeah, much thick. higher. Yeah. Like Canada can fully beat Morocco. Dude, I'll tell you I'm this right now. The nightmare you. scenario is Canada beats Croatia somehow and then chokes and loses <laughs> to Morocco. <laughs> I just I can't have is that. Is Canada the new Leafs? No, uh, no oh, they'll boy. never be the Leafs. No, this is the most lovable team on the planet yeah. right now. This is they, The Blue Jays were the most lovable. They mm-hmm. had their rise and it's everyone Canada. went, oh, and now Canada soccer completely yeah. snatched the belt from them. It was the, the team of the country that has the highest approval rating as a team. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, quickly before we take a break and talk to Jackie Redman um, about... Yeah, just U.S. Thanksgiving, NHL standing stuff. I Normal years, I get it. This is a much bigger story who's in, who's out when it comes to playoffs. I don't know why I've been saying. I, I can't. I, every time I say playoffs right now, I hear Jim Mora. I, and I'm not trying to do it. But I, I think I kind of say it like him, and it's... It bothers me. I'm playoffs? Really, I'm, yeah, I don't think... About playoffs? I know. I, I hate it. I really hate it. I got to change my voice when I say the postseason is you what I'm... kidding I, me? When it comes to the Stanley Cup postseason, that's how I'm going to change my inflection on that. And Anyway, I, I think if we look back on this, it's going to be very different from where we are today, the day after U.S. Thanksgiving, or that it at least has the real potential to be. How that translates in terms of, yeah, relevancy for this league right now. I... I've said this before, and it's kind of a little bit of a redundant one, but I'm really fascinated right now with this whole parody thing across these three North American leagues and just how how much that's spiking fan interest versus how much that's kind of spiking 
casual viewership of, you don't really need to watch this. Who cares? It's coin toss. You're not seeing anything special tonight. You might see a competitive game, or do you want to see something where you see a great team? I don't know. Year of parody. Anyway, a um, couple things from yesterday, Thanksgiving. I'm going to run through a little rapid fire. Joe, you can jump in if you got something or anybody, whatever. Uh, the Bills lose Vaughn Miller. He gets carted off with a knee injury. That's obviously the biggest story of the day. Mm-hmm. because this And this is why. The Bills got marched on by the Lions. I know that Diggs makes that huge catch, and he's doing the I am him thing again. And Allen had a big moment against that defense. Great. Uh, that's awesome. I'm not trying to take anything away from the Bills. Allen looked more like Josh Allen yesterday, which was great. The matchup was well set up for him against that defense. Jobo, your pick hits with his rushing total going over. Yep. I, I played it. It was a good one. He looked like Josh Allen in that mm-hmm. game. Singletary got going. Everybody looked pretty nice throughout that game for the Bills offense. A little bit of normalization. But their defense is starting to look a lot like the defense from last year. And Vaughn Miller, what did we say in the game against the Chiefs? He was the difference mm-hmm. from a year ago. They needed quarterback pressures. They needed somebody to get to Mahomes. And in that game against the Chiefs, he made three monster plays in the second half. He put that ball game away. Yeah. If Vaughn Miller is done. Huge. That's a massive, like he has 11 games. He got 21 combined tackles, eight sacks. It's one of the biggest injuries in the entire season. Yeah. Uh, the, the, Ed Oliver was a monster for them in that game. They were down to three defensive ends uh, and they still found a way to get some pressure on Jared Goff, mm-hmm. who you need to get it to. But at that last drive of that game, if you think that the Lions and Jared Goff and Tony Romo losing his mind over it, the Lions are legit, no matter what happens, curse. They, they, <laughs> immediate curse. No matter what happens here, it's Tony, what are you doing? That was <laughs> devastating. Those Lions fans were finally about to have a great Thanksgiving where they ripped off what would have been, four in a row for the Lions? I think it's four in a row for yeah, the Lions. Yeah, it would have been four in a row for the Lions. They would have been right back in the playoff picture. They would have beat the Buffalo Bills, just a huge kind of regional-ish rivalry. There's a lot yeah. of... I thought about all the Toronto fans of Detroit that live here because there's a lot of Detroit fans. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of Bills fans. I think the, the Detroit fans have sort of um, been, it, they've shrunk in numbers over yeah. the years just from being a completely inept franchise. It's Bills now. Yeah, exactly. Um, like, what do you point to? Stafford and Megatron. But every once in a while, the Lions fans come out here in the city. <laughs> Either way, I, I just that, that injury was massive. And all of a sudden, sure, th- there's reasons for optimism with their defense, but... They just feel very much like last year's defense, which didn't end up, you know, we, they got mm-hmm. a lot of turnovers and they were all right, but. And they got torched in the playoffs. Got torched in the playoffs. Patrick and Holmes. as much as I believe in Josh Allen, I'm a huge Josh Allen fan. Mm-hmm. It still feels like he has to do a little too much. And I still am going to trust Patrick Mahomes in a huge game yeah. over he and Diggs. I was previously in a spot where I, it felt like you could almost trust Buffalo to get a stop at any point, anytime, anywhere, especially with their secondary, Micah Hyde, Jordan Poyer. But this That's year, it. it's been a... They're banged up. Yeah, the, they're, the, they're the banged up. The injuries are starting to take its toll. And, and the Vaughn Miller one yeah. was really the... When they signed Vaughn, one of the big stories was, hey, they need to make sure that they keep this guy healthy. Mm-hmm. They need to make sure that he's fresh for the postseason so he can do for the Bills, what he did for the Rams a year yep. ago. And now he gets carted off. I just, I was sick. I, I felt sick for Bills fans. I hated that one. Um, Cowboys are hitting a new tier. That was a letdown spot, and they crushed. And it's a backdoor cover. Boffo, most fraudulent victory. <laughs> but again, check mark for Boffo. But, like, 
he even I even texted him. I went, "There's no way," and he he said it. He was like, "Feels like backdoor cover here." He's Giants very, plus ten. Giants plus ten. But realistically, that game was basically from the first quarter yeah. onward, never really in doubt. They, what did they score? Thirteen seconds left. Yeah, and it was they, the touchdown. And it, again, it was a really nice. It was a really nice start for the Giants and mm-hmm. Dable. He got his team ready to play, but. This is the thing about football, right? It's about the adjustments and when you have to go off script in the second half. And you could tell that one of these teams is just on a completely different level. And that's the Dallas Cowboys. And if I'm doing my heading into this weekend, you know, everybody loves their power rankings and championship Mm. tiers. And I am no different from any of those people. (laughs) I would say that as of right now, it's going to be a hot take. I don't think it's a hot take. I think the Cowboys are the class of the NFC. I would say, okay. and I know Eagles fans are just all – every Eagles fan right now is apoplectic that I've said this thing. They just punch their screen. <laughs> I, to me, they're basically the exact same. I just have the Cowboys razor's edge above right now. Mm-hmm. That razor's edge above. The Eagles have looked a little shakier the last couple of weeks, whereas mm-hmm. the Cowboys look like they're rounding into form. And I, ca- I cannot wait to see these two teams play again. But right now, if I had to do NFC power rankings, I would go number 1A, Cowboys, 1B, Eagles. And now, weirdly, despite me calling for Tom Brady's retirement, uh, Tom Brady <laughs> and the, the Bucks, the Bucks are back. they're number three. Yeah. And if you think about what the Bucs are going to have to deal with in the postseason, it's mm-hmm. hilarious. Tom Brady, all these years of... Tom has an easy division and Tom gets all the breaks and Tom has this. And then we wrote him off again. Oh, we wrote off Tom Brady again. So stupid. I can't believe I did it again. Um, We'll never learn. We'll never learn. He's going to have, he's going to have either a game against Geno Smith. What your saints, you still holding out hope. I'm big. I I can't lose hope. Yeah. Okay. I can't lose hope. Okay. So either he's going to face, and Gino's the man, all right? I don't want to disparage Gino. Gino. I, I don't want to disparage Gino, but he already they already just beat the Seahawks, and they beat the Seahawks basically on the road because mm. uh, that German crowd was very, very pro Seahawks. That was very Brady. Anyway. Or, sorry, yeah, yeah. It's going to be either like Gino Smith and a pretty inexperienced and young Seattle team. Mm-hmm. That could upset him, but no. Or Andy Dalton or Kirk Cousins. Or the inconsistent Saints. Like... That's Kirk what I'm saying. It's, it's just if you if you project outwardly of what they're going to get, especially in the first round, maybe yeah. second round, it's just, it's, yeah, I could absolutely see the Buccaneers back in a Super Bowl. I think that they, man, it would be kind of fun actually to see Brady and Mahomes in a Super Bowl again, eh? Mahomes revenge. That's kind of the, se- is there a sexier matchup than that? Um, I, like Tom Mahomes to have and Brady to too, that would be. It almost feels yeah. like a UFC pay-per-view. Yeah. Mahomes Everyone and has Brady to, too. We all spark up the takes again of is Mahomes going to be better than Brady at the end of his career? Are we still going to do that one? I, I we think have we would. To, we have yeah, to. Everybody's going to do that's that That's what again. everyone's going to be listening everyone's for. Everyone's going to do that again. Uh, I like well, Seattle this weekend, too, though. Yeah, head. me too. I know. That's, uh, that's going to be We'll get to that later, though. Anyway, um, last thing. The Vikings are the epitome of this season. Just a solid team that one minute can look dreadful and one minute can look awesome. Mm-hmm. But if they didn't have Justin Jefferson... They would be dirt. (laughs) They would be absolutely nothing. That guy every week is just making insane play after insane play after insane play. And it's a bit strange. I don't know if it's just because there's more offense in the NFL or if it's marketed in a different way. But growing up, Randy Moss was just such an icon. And it was such a huge deal every week watching Randy Moss and people wore the Moss jerseys. And for whatever reason, I don't feel that same kind of love. And I don't know if that's the times or what that is. But he doesn't get the same kind of 
man, Justin Jefferson, Randy Moss, it, it, I don't know what it is. Do you, he, he just broke his record last I'm, night. I'm kind of being a little vague. What, is it the talk in Austin? You think it's because he doesn't talk trash like it's Randy? Like that era of receiver, right? Randy Moss, Terrell Owens, Chad Ochocinco. Like, they got the attention on the field and off the field. It's Justin true. Jefferson, you don't hear from him. Stefan Diggs, you don't really hear from these guys, no, right? Diggs talks, man. Diggs talks he right after the game. Jefferson. Talks on the field, too. And Diggs, before the game yesterday, did the sweetheart move of going and grabbing a kid out of the stands. That was mm. a really nice touch. But you're right. It was a little bit more brazen in the 90s, you know, early 2000s. Guys were talking that talk. They weren't afraid to be in that noise. Now everybody's afraid. Everybody's afraid of the big bad media wolf. A big old. Yeah, it's not the Terrell media. Terrell gave a press conference in his driveway. Hell yeah, Justin Jefferson. That's what, you know. Get your game up. All right. Get your game up off the field. We need some more divaness from you. At some point, take a shot at Kirk Cousins when he has a bad game. That's you, what we you need. See, uh, he broke Randy Moss's record for the most receiving yards in the first three seasons. But this is what I'm saying: is it doesn't feel at all yeah. like that. It doesn't feel at all like that, even though. Again, the play he made last night to set up their final score is spectacular. Yeah. Need the future sensational drop, uh, by the way. I just like, I'm going to need that for the future. This is sensational. <laughs> sensational. It's one of my Tim and Nardwar. Anyway, um, oh, by the way, shout out to uh, my Jacoby Myers prop that gets uh, that hits yeah. on the final play of the game <laughs> they put him in for. First of all, I, I, that was justice. That was justice yeah. because he ends up getting hurt on a 24, 25 yard yeah. catch on the first uh, Patriots play of the game, I go, okay, this is a lock. This is exactly what that was. And then you see him slowly get up and he's doing the thing. You're like, oh, you're just dinged up, right? And then he goes away. And then it was a, you and know, he never a comes tease. Back no, it was just a tease of, hey, he's he's coming back. He's not coming back. Blah, 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 blah. And then finally he does. Anyway, it was extremely frustrating, but he ended up getting it done. So that was that. Uh, it was a good anyway. night for both of us. Yeah, it was a very good. It was a very good night for both of us. Uh, all right, uh, quick break, and then we'll come back to chat with our uh, our old pal Jackie Redman. All right, my friend Jackie Redmond of the NHL Network. Happy uh, U.S. Thanksgiving to you. Were you in the States? I was. I was. Nice. I did not do a Thanksgiving dinner, though. I was flying go. home. So I had, I had wine and popcorn last night. It was my American <laughs> Thanksgiving. So every day. <laughs> so just the usual. <laughs> hey, speak for yourself, buddy. <laughs> no, I, I, popcorn, no. I can't do it anymore. That's, if I'm in a movie theater, yes. There's no way that I would ever do any other kind of popcorn now. Actually, maybe smart food. Really? No. Out of a bag in a microwave? No. I'm not a child. I'm not a peasant. I would never do that. <laughs> the I worst. don't know. Smart pop's pretty good. Yeah. I'm no. See, that that is lunacy. That The people who think they're healthy, and I'm calorie conscious, and they eat the terrible popcorn from the bag, the smart. It's No. That's... That's uh. That's wrong. That's I a, knew you would hate on it. Until yeah. you try it, nah. you can't speak on the matter. No, nah, I'm good. That's how I, I feel about it. I'm good. It. <laughs> here's, here's my thing. If I'm just going to eat snacks, I'm not going to overthink it. I only have one life. I'm just going to eat good snacks. I'm not going to try to gaslight myself into thinking that Smart Pop is fine. You know? Like Doritos. Well, here's the thing. Can yeah. I be? Here's, here's like my truth, my real truth right now. Yeah. All I wanted yesterday was a pie. Yeah. Like I just, I, I had a long <laughs> flight home. Get a pie. It's American Thanksgiving. Yeah. I'm like, I just want to stick a fork in the middle of a pie and like just absolutely, like no plate. Yeah. Just have a pie, watch some Netflix. But I got home and everything was closed because it's mm. American Thanksgiving. Yeah. And I'm an idiot. Mm. So you get one ahead of time. Nobody so, invited you to their American really Thanksgiving? Wanted. You couldn't get, like, EJ, somebody, like, give you, a, hey, to make sure you come on down to Thanksgiving, we'll feed you? That's cold-blooded. That is, that hurts. Well, 
Well, the thing is, I was flying, right? Sure. So everyone assumed I was out of town. Uh, or at least that's what I'm telling myself. I didn't mean to have you on to go, hey, you have crappy snacks and nobody likes you. That wasn't exactly how I was accepting <laughs> to start the if show. If I wanted that to be, I could get it in my Instagram comments, yeah. okay? Hey, so uh, you, that you blew it, though, because that day... Thanksgiving, uh, a moment like that is where you can go buy a pie by yourself and no one, you don't have to overthink it, you know? Because everybody, I think, has a little bit of grocery store shame when they go in to just get uh, way too much food for yourself or just bad food for yourself, right? It's why we still, like, you'll fire a couple of healthy items on a conveyor belt, even if you go in, or at least I will sometimes (laughs) if I go in there to get snacks. I'm like, and I'm here for this kale that will rot in my fridge. Also this, and a tomato, you know, and then three bags of smart food on the the conveyor belt, right? That's the the move. I love that you're saying that right now because I don't think enough people admit that they do feel shame at the grocery store. Like, oh, I cannot, I can't grab, you no, know, I can't, can't grab, grab the snacks. chocolate bar now. I've no. got too much stuff already that's not good. No, I have shame, okay? If I, I could never go into a store and just buy sweets or snacks. Just... That's just an impossibility for me. Jobo says he can, but he's 21 years old, so it doesn't really matter what he says. Different, like it's, different. Yeah, it's a different totally thing. Different. You're still a child, exactly, because you don't know any better, Joe. Like, you go in there and you go, this is a healthy, nutritious meal. I'm going to get uh, yeah, yeah, sugary cereal. That's what I'm going to eat gotta for wait, breakfast. Wait till you're over 30, yeah. and no, then no, no. You're, you're like, you know what? Shame. I'm going to have a bad meal tonight, but I'm going to Uber Eats it because yeah. I don't want anyone to see me yeah. ordering it. Yes, 100%. No, there's no question. You got to. That, that's part of the biggest reason that the delivery companies have dominated the way that they have is people can go, wait, you can take some of the shame out of the equation. You're like the pandemic. The only good thing was you no longer had to meet a driver at the door. They never needed to look you in your shameful eyes. It's left, <laughs> left your food at the door like an animal. And then you come out once they've gone. Of course, you don't even meet them at the door. You don't even go right away as they leave it. You go, all right, five, Four, three, two, you're one. out the window. Yeah, you look at the people, you're gone. All right, finally time to go open this up and grab my shame bag. Anyway, um, that is one of those days where you don't have to have the shame. That's why Halloween is so great. Yes. You can go in and buy so much Halloween candy, and I'll buy it all for myself. It's not for children. I live in an apartment building. Like, nobody's coming. And But I go in there, and I'm I'm just a generous guy that's here to buy candy for kids. And they go, yep, story checks out. Put, the, put every single box of candy on that conveyor belt. No shame. Same thing with Thanksgiving. You could have bought multiple pies, and they would have just been like, oh, you're buying a ton of baked goods today? It must be for all of her friends and family. You, you missed <laughs> out you missed out on a day of no shame you I blew did. it oh i'm yeah. crushed for you I, I did blow it yeah i know it was sad it was really sad mm. okay so th- this and is what... i did like truthfully i i drove home like because some stores were open till like two or three but i landed at two mm. i actually did try to make it to uh to a whole foods before three but i i failed at that too mm. 305 i rolled in the parking lot it was a sad it was a sad realization yeah. that i was late you try yeah. and buy a pie today, people. That's the most shameful pie you can have. They will go. So oh yeah, you it's had like pie this girl yesterday. had a terrible Thanksgiving. Yeah. she has no friends. <laughs> yeah. She come back for more pie to like ease her. Ease I, her you know what? You made me realize that I really want to interview now. My top priority is to interview a cashier. To go, hey, do you judge us? Are you, <laughs> hey, hey, are you paying attention out here? Or are your feet just sore and you're not thinking about this at all and it's just completely mindless? I, you, I love the idea that we think that we actually stand out. All right. Um, so 
Is it good? This is a marker for the NHL, right? U.S. Thanksgiving, U.S. Thanksgiving. We hear it every year, and then we kind of pay attention to it for a second, and then it goes away, and then we're told every single season that, all right, it's different, it matters. I know that you're in Jersey, so I also want to talk about, like, how hot the Devils are, but do you think, so this year is just, I have not felt the urge to watch certain teams. It feels very flat. Um, There's not a lot of special out here, even if you're watching the Leafs play, right? Everybody that comes to town the Leafs have basically outplayed almost every single team that they faced or looked better than almost every single team they faced. And this has been a down season for the most part for the Maple Leafs. Do you think like for you guys, you're at the NHL network, you've got the pulse to think a little bit better of the entire league because you have to cover the entire league. We're just far more regional in our approach with this. Um, is this working out the way that everybody hoped? Do you feel like interest is higher because more teams are in it and anybody can win? Or would you rather see some more spectacular teams? I think it's always, like, I am the type of person that likes to see dominance. Like, I do like to see upper echelon teams do their thing because it's a great tool for me to do my job. Like, if I know that someone is, you know, a step ahead of the rest of the league, then when they play certain teams, I feel like it's a good barometer of where the other team is, if that makes sense. And this year, I would say only Boston really meets that for me. Like, I watched Vegas the other night. I was in Vegas. I watched the Golden Knights. It's obvious they're the best team in the West. They're a very good team. If you were going to have a top tier, you would have Boston and Vegas up there, no question. However, seeing Vegas in person, I was like, okay, they're really good, but, like, they've got some flaws. Like, the the final score of that game against the Sens was 4-1. But the first half of that game, Ottawa was like, they were hanging around, man. They weren't finishing their chances. But they were they were keeping up with Vegas and at one point actually had a stretch of play where they were dominating possession. So, like, Vegas, don't get me wrong, there's, I still think they're a top-tier team in the entire league. But I guess my point in saying that is that it's not as clear-cut as it has been in years past. But I, I do think that it's good for hockey fans as a whole, especially in the States, right? I mean, you have a Seattle Kraken team that's, like, third in their, or second in their division right now. Like nobody would have seen that coming. And, I hate that, and though. This, this, you, see, why? Because it's good for the league. No, I, see, that's, but this is what I'm asking you is, do you think that's good for the league? Because to me, I, I feel like that's, that's good for people in Seattle. That's bad for the league. The Kraken were dead last last year. They're an expansion team. And now they're ripping off, t- like, they're yes. what, eight, one and one in their last 10? I, I hate that. I hate the idea that you can be a band of nobody misfits, that the Vegas thing has happened again. But this one isn't even the Vegas one because the Vegas one was, hey, um, everybody exploited this to a certain or Vegas exploited this to a certain degree. Seattle didn't have the same advantages of being the first. They didn't get to be the test dummies. And to still figure this out and be able to be as good as anybody in the league right now is bad. No, I like Team no, building to be hard, you're so Jackie. wrong on this. No, I'm not. I'm right. You are so... I'm not. No, you're so wrong on this. No, it's... Okay, so hey, I'm everyone, all three of you that all work with me right now and are, you know, dependent on me, you know, to be around here, how would you vote? Yeah, JD's right. JD's definitely yeah, right. Yeah, thank you. One, Poff? Yeah, I'll go with JD. Yeah, uh, it's Joe? Three nothing. Three nothing. Okay, sorry, Jackie. Continue. Yeah, okay. Well, they work with you and have to see you every day. They don't have to see me. And if uh, they did have to see me, I guarantee you I would at least flip one of those guys. Here's the thing. You you are looking at it from the wrong perspective. Like, oh, my gosh, this is bad for the league that anybody can beat anybody on any given night. What are you talking about? That makes it exciting. That 
No, it does. It makes it exciting, and it makes it a league where you have more fans invested for okay. a longer period of time. Like, do I think the Seattle Kraken are going to go win the Stanley Cup? No, absolutely not. But do I think it's important that their fan base is invested in the team when it's only their second year mm-hmm. and we, we're trying to grow this game? Absolutely, I think it's important. I think it's, it's ridiculous that you could even say that it's bad for the game. If you I, want to argue that that it makes the league less compelling to you, that's it. then I can I can listen to that. But to say that it's not good for hockey is absolutely ludicrous. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, now we're talking about two different things. When I say hockey, I mean the NHL. Um, I don't think this is good for the NHL. I don't. I think that it's good for Seattle in the NHL. I think for the rest of the league, it sucks. If you're a fan of the Why? Flames, because if you're a fan of the Flames, the Oilers, and markets that actually do care, and you're trying to build off of competitive teams and championship teams and you know, you're the Oilers. You've got Connor freaking McDavid doing his thing this year to this degree. And they still can't piece yeah. a team around him because of his flat salary cap. And then the Seattle Kraken come in with nobody special. Like, they don't have any special players. They have special nothing. There's not The most special thing about the Kraken is their arena and their cool sweaters. That's it. There's nothing about them. How many Kraken games have you watched this year? Two. And I was like, okay, yeah. this is what it's all about. Like, great. There's nothing special about them. There's fun energy around the team. That's They're all right. Inaccurate. But, Maddie Beneers is a special player. All right. Maybe someday. I'm not. And he's an up-and-coming player. Yeah, up-and-coming. That's so, great. What I point well, is, is that in this league, he shouldn't be in his second year in the Like, he shouldn't be this already. They, we shouldn't be talking about Maddie Beneers already. We should be talking about some of the guys that are already established <laughs> in the league. And this is what I'm saying. I cannot stand it that this has happened with the NHL where we can just go, oh, okay, um, the Stars were in a Stanley Cup final, then they're crap, then they're back at the top of the Central. Great. And I know it's U.S. Thanksgiving, but I'm trying to use this as, hey, maybe this is going to be somewhat set what the standings are moving forward. And it's kind of ugly. I want to be able to see teams build off a of success. I like the road to a championship being somewhat linear, not just feeling random. And that's how I feel watching the NHL right now is outside of a couple of teams. I don't teams, think it's random. I feel it's random. I don't think it's random. It's not random. I don't think it's random at all. The Dallas Stars, you referenced them, right? Mm. Like, yes, last year was not a great year for them. But they also have dealt with a ton of, ton of injuries. Tyler Sagan has mm-hmm. basically been injured for th- since the since the bubble cup bubble cup run Mm -hmm. so for me dallas wasn't a bad team last year dallas was a team in a bad spot last year this year all of their talent is living up to the hype and jason robertson is like Mm -hmm. blossoming into a superstar so for and and ottinger's an an incredible goaltender and he was last year as well so for me dallas is not a bad team that that's all of a sudden benefiting from the parity of the league and and the cap situation that you're talking about that's just a team that had a bad year for a multitude of reasons and is now playing more to who they are and who they want to be under their new coach so I, I don't I don't agree with that example um but I would say this like you bring up Connor McDavid and the Edmonton Oilers uh, we've been Connor McDavid's been in the league for what seven years now mm-hmm. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna I'm not writing an apology check to the Oilers because they can't figure out how to win with the best player or the most dominant player on the face of the earth. That's not the cap. That's the Oilers. That's mm. the organization. They don't get they don't get a they don't get a pass from me because of the cap situation and parity in the league. I think that's bogus. If you want to win, like no excuses. Play like a champion. The Boston Bruins have figured it out. Mm-hmm. And they didn't they didn't pull some weird Tampa Bay lightning um, you know, work around with the cap to do it. They're just winning. They're just playing better than everybody else. So for me, if you want to be the best, then go be the best. Like I'm not, 
I'm not going to sit here and say that, you know, parity in the league is to blame for teams not figuring out how to be elite. That's on the team. I work within the construct of the league. Yeah. I see. I think it's too much. I think it's too much to ask at this point for most GMs. If a team like Seattle can just jump up from being what they were last year to being the team that they are right now, like I know we can always say one team was injured or one team's better. Like even the Islanders where you say, Oh, well last year was the year from hell for the Islanders. And that's why this year 13 and eight, like, okay, they're all right. And I think a better example, honestly, to go to like, go to your side for me, like the way that the league is this year, like it makes the Detroit Red Wings a very interesting team, right? Like they're not supposed to be, a playoff team this year, really, like maybe a bubble team. I kind of thought that they would be the team out of that group, though, because everyone kind of projected, hey, who is it going to be, right? Is it going to be the Sabres? Is it going to be the Senators? I didn't. I didn't. I was always a non-believer in Ottawa. I I thought this was way too much too soon, and I thought it was hilarious that Ottawa fans were getting so excited. I was excited that they were a more (laughs) fun team, but it was amazing to me that Ottawa was getting so unbelievably excited about giving a, a, a young core just that much money when for years it had been detracting Maple Leafs fans uh, from doing or having a team that was built very similarly. Uh, Yeah, so I never really bought that. I kind of did like the moves the Red Wings made, and I also have extreme trust of Iserman, and so I thought, hey, if there's going to be one group that kind of sticks around, grits around, it's going to be them. I don't know if they'll last, but either way, um, yeah, I just... I keep coming away with that same feeling every single night when I watch other teams is I feel like I'm watching the same team over and over and over again. That's in just about every single market. Like I, that's what I've loved about the devil's run. And I I wanted to talk to you about the devils is that it does feel like they have had a different personality or a different energy or a different complexion than a lot of the teams in the league. Like the, the Jester, the Jesper Brad, I know devils fans hate it when you say this is a breakout, but this is his breakout in terms of getting national attention this has been a good yeah, run is. for a brand new team that I actually enjoy watching. They actually stand out to me. Do the Islanders stand out to you? Do the Hurricanes that everyone, by the way, picked for the Stanley Cup Finals this year, lost four straight? Who stands out? Boston does. Boston stands out. Yeah. The Avalanche are still fun to watch, but it clearly is a different team. Vegas, you're right. But Vegas they're injury is good. Riddled, though. They have sure. a lot of injuries. But that's what happens Colorado. when you also lose a lot of your depth to free agency, right? And because of this cap, is that all of a sudden sure. you can become very mediocre very fast. All I'm saying is there are not a lot of teams that make me want to tune into league every night because they feel different than any of the other teams. I would say two things on that. I would say change your mind about Colorado because I, I believe that they are going to be an absolutely dominant team this season, yep. especially once they start getting some guys back. Like I do, they're, they're already playing a lot better in the last, I don't know, two week stretch. So for me, like Colorado is still up there with Boston and Vegas. Mm-hmm. Um, same with the Dallas stars. Like D- Dallas to me is a very fun team to watch right now. Mm-hmm. They are so exciting because they have a great offense and a solid goaltender. So for me, like the Dallas stars are a team that I would put in that group this year. Um, that I wouldn't sleep on. But to go back to the Devils, right? Like, yes, this is nobody saw this coming for the Devils this year. They're insanely fun to watch. They're fast. They actually defend incredibly well too. They they don't give the opposition much. Like they their forecheck is relentless. They force turnovers. They're one of the best teams in the league at doing so. So they're they're super fun. But I think too that's a team that if you were to do a deep dive, and it's probably something that someone should do. I don't know. Justin Bourne should get on this. But like, I do feel like if you look back at the last four years for the Devils, you could see the pieces start to come into place, at least in terms of the core. The problem is 
Jack Hughes and Nico Hishier have been hurt mm. all the time, constantly. And, like, if it happens again this year, like, you're going to see a bit of a drop-off. Not like you would have seen last year because their decor is better, but I think that they're a team that's had that young, exciting, capable core, but they've been – I think Jack Hughes has been injured every season he's played until this year. Uh, Nico Hishier has dealt with, with injuries, but now those two guys – are really coming into their own along with the yeah. likes of Brat, And so because of that, they have become this team really quickly that you're like, whoa, this team is really good. But maybe that development was already happening. Happening, We just weren't as aware because all of a sudden, Jack Hughes is injured, Nico Hischier is injured, the team is losing. They got literally zero goaltending last year. Mm-hmm. So they were irrelevant pretty fast. But I think they've been a team that, you know, like the Leafs, uh, you know, a handful of years ago, and like we're seeing with Detroit now, that has had that core coming together. We just haven't been paying attention. It's almost like we haven't been paying attention because they haven't been winning and they've had a ton of injuries, if I'm making sense there. Yeah, you are. And guess what? I don't want to have to pay attention to every team, okay? I want to pay attention to the good it's teams. Hard. It's really hard, yeah. baby. <laughs> you think it's – you're do, ugh, I t- you think you know who it's hard for? The guy has to do every single sport. That all of a sudden I'm going, why did the Coyotes beat the Canes 4 nothing last night? I don't want to look at that box <laughs> yeah. score. I just want to roll through my day and not worry about Hurricanes, Coyotes. And right now – like, if we're doing the list of teams that are out of it at U.S. Thanksgiving, it is a small list. Like, it is a short, short, yeah. short list. And so, yeah, good for hockey, I guess, that teams are in it, I guess. Um, I think bad for the NHL that they can't get teams that no. stand out. Um, we'll agree to disagree today. I got to let you go. Go, you know, have your depression no! pie. I know. I hate it because I wanted to talk to you about a few oh. more things, but I ran out of time because I went too long uh, talking earlier. About Ken- Joe, it's all Jobo's fault. He was like, Joe, Joe, Joe spent 35 minutes telling me why Canada's going to lose today, and that ate up all the time. So he, greedy Joe. Oh, that, my goodness. Yeah, I know. Thanks a lot, Joe. Uh, Jackie Redman, NHL That's Network. That. We'll do this again soon because there's a bunch of other things that we still have to do. All right? I wanted to talk to you about the Leafs five on five, but that's okay. We'll get to it another time. And um, just watch my five things Instagram videos every morning, and then you'll know like what's happening outside of Toronto. That actually is true. Go follow Jackie on Instagram, and you're, those are really good. It's five things that you need to know from the Leafs league last night. No, they're very, very good. And I honestly, I used them. Like I watched those, and I'm like, okay, this is good. I feel more informed. They're great. Uh, Jackie, <laughs> we got to go. Thanks for coming on today. Go eat depression pie. I see you guys. I'm mad at your entire crew, by the way. Not one person could give me a pity vote. That's BS. I know. But here's the thing. They're just an honest group of gentlemen who have integrity. No, and so they would never, they would they never are not. lie. I know how you operate. They would never. You're, an, you're a dictator. No. You're a dictator. You can't rule there. by fear. You can't rule by fear. You have to rule with love. That's the that's my policy. That's the way that this is. I'm loved. All right, Jackie. See ya. Uh, Jackie Redman, NHL Network. Uh, quick break. Come back. Talk to Grant Wall. One of the best soccer journalists on the planet is coming up. I wasted that compliment. <laughs> Hurtful. Gotta have to say that twice. Gotta do a repeater on that one now. Oh, I did. I did forget that Boffo has to do the whole punch in the number and guitar dial three nine four five six two one one eight nine four to get out. That's how it is with those international numbers. There's always a panic mode when you're a producer. Although, how many, how many attempts do we have right now? Oh, this is number one? Late. 
fellas. Boys are just screwing around back there. Boys are just asleep at the wheel. What are we doing here? Wake up. Anyway, um, quickly then, before Grant Wall comes on, it's time for action brought to you by DraftKings, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the DraftKings app to get in on the action. Must be 19 plus. Must be in Ontario. Please play responsibly. Joe, you said it. I know where I'm going with my pick this weekend. I'm betting on the team. I'm, bet- I'm betting on the home team. Called it. The Raiders stink. It is a bad football team. They cannot stop anybody. They just can't. The Raiders' defense is horrific this year. Soft. Purposeless, as Sheldon Keefe would say. No. The, the, the Jones signing. Horrific for them. Beat up. Injured. Nothing. Their receiving core. Not anything what we thought it was going to be this year. Do I think Adams is going to get his stats? Do I think he's going to feast? You bet your ass he's going to feast. Do I think Mac Hollins will have some moments? Do I think that Jacobs will be able to run? Yes. They will score points against Seattle. I think this is going to be a really high-scoring affair. If that's, like, that's my number one take is that I love the over 47 and a half. And I'm, the only reason that I'm not making that even, actually, that is my best bet, is the over in that game. But I actually like parlaying, if you can do a bet builder, the over 47 and a half. And the Seahawks. I like the Seahawks on the money line. I like the Seahawks minus four. They're coming off a bye. It's a tough team. I believe in this team. I do not. This is as much of me believing in the Seahawks, and I know Homer pick, but this is almost as much of me just like fading the Raiders here, fading the Raiders in the road, fading the Raiders in a tough spot to play. Anyways, that was time for action brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the DraftKings app to get it on the action. Must be 19 plus Ontario only. Please play responsibly. Again, one of the best soccer journalists on the planet. You can follow his Substack, read all of his work, grantwall.com. It's Grant Wall, host of Football with Grant Wall. Great podcast as well. Super informative. You're down there in Qatar. Grant, thanks for joining us, man. Yeah, my pleasure. How are you? Oh, I mean, I'm good and bad, Grant, because Canada looked amazing, but they lost. And this is not a country that understands the heartbreak of a World Cup. You you are very familiar as an American. You know, like you're all about it. Like that's your whole thing. You're like, hey, I get up. Oh, we, still, we lost again. Right, yes. uh, you're probably going to... Actually, I don't know about your game. Uh, your game now against the UK. We'll see. We'll talk about it a little bit. But yeah, what's uh, what's the impression Canada left in Qatar amongst uh, those of you that are really covering the game after their performance against Belgium? Well, it wasn't a surprise to me having seen Canada win the Concacaf World Cup qualifying tournament. Uh, maybe it was a surprise to people who, from the rest of the world, hadn't watched that. But you know, there was a real positive response to the way Canada played. Uh, they outplayed Belgium, and uh, it was unfortunate that Canada didn't get a goal, that they didn't at least get the penalty converted, and Belgium ends up scoring on a very route one long ball. Uh, you know, they're known for you know better play than that, and so, you know, I guess moral victories in the end don't count for anything in the standings, mm-hmm. but Canada looked good, and I think people expect them to get points in this this group. Yeah, that that's the tough one, right? Is I think that the way they played surprised people. Everyone in this country had real belief and we had basically spent a, a week of pregame discussing ways that Belgium was vulnerable, ways that Canada could take advantage of them. But 
for the most part, people believed that it was going to be a Canada counterpunch game and that it was going to be a lot of Belgian possession and that they weren't going to touch the ball very much. And so the way they competed in that game, especially during, you know, the first three quarters of the match, um, I thought it grabbed some people by surprise. Did anything from that, the way they played, like you said, you've watched them, you saw them get the result against the States, you saw them get the result against Mexico here in Canada, but did anything about the way that they play surprise you? You know, I was actually surprised Jonathan David wasn't better in this game because they got a lot of scoring opportunities. Uh, not just David, but like, I mean, he's a tremendous goal scorer. And yeah. I thought for all of the shots that Canada got, uh, not many shots on goal and not very well taken when they had the opportunities. So if they're going to get wins in this tournament, you got to finish. And, you know, I, I think where they are uh, situated, I think they can, they can beat Croatia. Um, I think they can beat Morocco. So I, I'm pretty bullish on Canada and just feel like uh, I know what they're about at this point. And in the first game, while disappointing, isn't something where the sky is falling by any means. Yeah. We went over it during our first block of the show, though, which is how tough this Croatia team is, um, how dominant they are in the midfield, but also just how they seemingly come up year over year over year when it comes to big games and that this one is huge for Canada, right? Like they're going to need a win in this one. Um, do you believe that if they play the way that they did against Belgium, that they will be able to uh, hang in this game and maybe even win? Yeah. Simple as that. Uh, yes. And I, I wasn't too impressed with Croatia in their game against Morocco. You know, like we've been kind of waiting for this Croatian team to pass the threshold into They've done a lot, but they're too old now. And I think we might actually be there. Mm. Uh, and I know that people have done that with Luka Modric and, and you know, at his club in Real Madrid, and he's you know, won the Champions League again this season. So you do that at your own risk. And obviously he's a tremendous player, but I felt coming into this tournament that Canada had a chance to get out of the group because mm -hmm. they're a young team. And, and frankly, Belgium and Croatia are old even though they got to the semifinals, both of them, uh, four years ago. So I've always thought the World Cup is a young man's tournament, and this group in particular was going to give us an indication of that. And if that is true, Canada has a shot. So last one on Canada was John Herdman makes uh, headlines in Croatia, certainly, um, with his comments. Uh, <laughs> he got smoked with the Croatian tabloid. Uh, very unflattering. Very, very tough. Very, very tough for our guy, John. But he'll, he'll bounce back. He'll be fine. Everybody knows. How, how big a story has he been down there, just in terms of, like, not, the comments excluded? Because this has been one of the underlying things from our standpoint as a country is just how important he has been to the program. But whenever you get somebody like this where they get so big and so popular and so revered that the secondary storyline becomes, oh, my God, everyone else is going to notice and it's going to become the Alistair Johnson thing where someone else is offering you a contract after, you know, one game. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's what is great about the World Cup, right, is that you never know what's going to happen and people are going to break out and become globally known in a way that they hadn't been before with as much as, you know, in, in just one game sometimes. And so I think that's really cool. Actually. Um, I'm a little surprised by what Herdman said about Croatia after the game, but then again, I know Herdman by now I've covered him since yep. he was the Canada women's coach and uh, I like his enthusiasm. I also think he's a great coach and I like how his teams can beat you 
in different ways with different tactics. Um, it's, it's just very impressive over time. So it's England, USA, uh, very different results. Um, States kind of choked what seemed to be a, just a really, really hot start, a team that looked very good. Uh, the Brits dominated. But do you feel like all the pressure is on the U.K. in this one? I'm sorry? Do you, where, how much pressure do you feel is on England in this one? You know, I, I, there's pressure, obviously, at all times around the England team. They have a huge media contingent. Uh, the expectations are always high. They're a favorite to win the tournament. There's probably less pressure uh, on them in this game simply because they got three points pretty easily in the first game. And so um, it's not like a situation that Argentina or Germany find themselves in heading into their second game after losses. But, you know, things can change very quickly uh, in a small amount of time. And if the if the U.S. were to beat England here, then suddenly uh, – the pressure would certainly fall down on England uh, for game three. So uh, they looked really good against Iran, 6-2, did it pretty easily. Um, and, you know, but things can change. Everyone sort of assumed Iran was going to just be on zero points for the entirety of this group, and they go out and win today. Yeah, I guess what I'm trying to gauge here is clearly England has um, real rivals within Europe that are extremely strong, uh, that their fan base cares deeply about. But there's just part of me, and I, I can't tell if this is just like I'm a North American, and so I'm looking at it through this lens, but that this is sort of the game where if you're England, you, you just cannot lose from a reputation standpoint in the group. I mean, they would really catch a lot of static if they lost to the United States of all right. teams just because there's such a, a sense... I, I, I want to be clear, and I don't think everyone in England is condescending toward American soccer. That's not the case. But there certainly is a healthy number of yeah. people over there <laughs> who are condescending toward the U.S. Yeah. when it comes to soccer. Yeah, and, you know, Jesse Mark deals with that all the time as the American coach of Leeds United in England. And, um, you know, you, lots of Ted Lasso jokes and, you know, days like today, people over there make fun of us using the term soccer, even though soccer is an English term. I love that. <laughs> that's uh, that is that that's kind of like the the comeback that you've had probably like a billion times, right? How many times have you said that? Even though <laughs> soccer is an English term, like I that, I'm guessing that you've gotten that from a few of your British colleagues. So yeah, and then I guess this is the last one: is what would a, a win for the states mean? Uh, yeah, in this game. I mean, right now, uh, you know, Iran beating Wales is, in my opinion, good for the U.S. It means the U.S. controls its own destiny in this group, and so. Could the U.S. lose tonight to England and still get through the group with a win at or against Iran in the third game? Yes. Uh, but I think the U.S. now feels like, let's, let's go out and win our next two games and win a group. You know, the U.S. wants to win the World Cup. So it's, it's easier to win the World Cup if you can win your group. So we even had people talking about, oh, should Greg Berhal? There's not that much of a difference between a, a tie and a loss for the U.S. tonight if – uh, if the U.S. just wants to finish second in the group. But I think the U.S. wants to finish first in the group. They want to beat England. So I think they're going to go for it here. God, uh, I don't know which side I'm rooting for here. Like, I, I don't. 
as an impartial viewer, I just hope that it's a great game. Well, this is the weird thing is that as a Canadian, because we've never been in the World Cup, I used to just root for the States because they were the North American representative. And I would go, yeah, I hope that they win. I hope that they get this done. And now that Canada's good and that we had these CONCACAF qualifiers and especially the game up in Hamilton that I was at. And then, like, your guys kind of cried a little bit afterwards, you know? Like, you did a lot of crying. And I was like, I started to really hate Pulisic. And, and now I'm kind of like, I don't know. And I hate the UK cockiness. I hate the condescending thing that you're talking about. I like the idea of America beating them at their own game. I love that. But also now, mm, I don't know. I'm torn. I just hope it's a good game. Uh, Grant Wall. Uh, enjoy it. Uh, host of football with Grant Wall. Uh, excellent soccer journalist. Again, you can follow on his Substack page at grantwall.com. Thanks for making time, buddy. Enjoy the rest of the weekend. My pleasure. Cheers, man. Uh, there's Grant Wall. We'll take a quick break. Come back. Talk to Kevin Woodley about some goaltending. And we'll see if Joe is embarrassed by his answers earlier about Canada where he just not embarrassed. got not Grant embarrassed. Wall just put you in a body bag, Joe Bo. You not just got murdered. Not embarrassed. Everything you said, he was like, no, nah, that's pretty much the opposite. So, nah. hey, Grant Wall, um, soccer journalist who's been covering the beautiful game <laughs> for, what, 20 years, Buffalo? Who's down in Qatar, who has hundreds of thousands of followers, who's written for SI, who has soccer, like he's got... Uh, doc that's up on Amazon, or you, um, teenager on the show, who, sa- who says that Canada can't win. You, ha- I didn't you say, have it. Joe was Canada having such win. a good week, such a good week. Joe was crushing it. Everyone had you. Everyone trusted you. Everyone trusted you. And then you wrote Canada off the way that you did. No, yes, you I did. Didn't. You no, wrote them off. I you didn't. put them in the grave. And then Grant hey. Wall came in and he said, "Oh, that hole is actually not for Canada. That's for Joe." And he kicked nah, you in nah, it, nah, and that nah, was nah, it. Nah, nah, nah. Let's take a break and let's come back with the corpse of Joe and then uh, <laughs> Kevin Woodley next. British in descent, but mm-hmm. my one, my one buddy, well, actually my one family of friends. Their parents have the accent still. Like, they're first gen over here. Mm. Like, they came in their 20s. Yeah. So, Some of my friends, their friends have accents as well. Mm-hmm. And they, it's funny because my friends, they, they switch and if to their I watched accent with when him, they talk to them. If I watched with him, I would be, I would be compelled to root mm-hmm. for him. But if I'm watching alone, which it looks like I will be, I'll be me. going... I'll be going with the USA. <laughs> Watch a game with me. <laughs> uh, pass. <laughs> you, should, yeah. you guys should have seen Jenny's yeah. face there. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. No, no. Was, we'll, we'll watch some games together. I had fun watching Canada with you. That was really great. I mm-hmm. love being down there with the whole team and, like, everybody watching. I love communal viewing experiences. Yeah. Awesome. I just This is going to be – this is a weird one, too. I'm kind of annoyed that the Leafs play at the same time. Yeah. Just 2 p.m. Thanks a lot, Leafs. Why? Uh, Minnesota right Wild? in the afternoon. I'm off Leafs talk tonight, though. It's Kipper, Bourne, and Sammy. Mm-hmm. The three of them are doing it together. Wasn't invited to my own show. <laughs> Wasn't invited to your own show. Very interesting. Very <laughs> interesting that I was off of Leafs Talk for this Friday show that they decided to go. They were like, we're going to go with the, I think they described it as the A team. And I went, oh, that's, oh. yeah, oh. okay. This is the first time there's been three guys on Leafs Talk. Hmm. Interesting. It was just noted. It was noted. I, I am a pretty forgiving person who doesn't. I, I don't I don't think about things like I was disrespected by the company. Mm-hmm. I just think about things like it's nice that other people are going to have a great chance to do a show that I do better than them. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much the until way. the day you let me host this show, yeah. which will never happen. This is the most, buddy. You're you're getting a ton of time right now. No, I know. You're I getting love your it. mic. Like, I love it. This well, is I'm it. getting buried half the time today. Yeah, but... I know. It's fun. It's fun <laughs> for me to do that, especially since Friday. We've yeah, got lots of sports today. I yeah. know you love it. I'm excited. I, I'm excited for USA-England more than I am the Leafs game today. Can't mm-hmm. believe it. Well, USA-England has 
for this tournament, potential to be like an all-timer, an all-time game. There's talent on both sides. Narrative's going crazy. Yeah. So I don't know who's in net tonight for the Leafs because it's a back-to-back. Mm. Samsonov. Samsonov. God, see, that's what happens when you get hurt, Samsonov. I People say forget Samson, your name. I, I People forget. Samsonov. We regressed. We went back in time. And we, we went back <laughs> in time, and now we forgot that you're Samsonov. I didn't see who's projected to be back in net, but but Samsonov was supposed to be back on the ice. I would have thought that maybe, just maybe, he would have been ready to rock and roll for Saturday night, but I don't think that's the case. I think that we're getting another weekend with Shalgren. Either Either way, I'm a believer in play the worst goalie in the first game and play the better goalie in the second game. I also think this is such a dumb guy take. This is such a dumb guy take. Um, I think that if you're on Hockey Night in Canada, you should play the better goalie on Hockey Night in Canada. Mm. It's Friday. Yep. It's in the middle of the day. Nobody's watching. It's against Minnesota Wild. You should be able to beat them regardless of who's in that. The Leafs have done that quite a bit this season where they've beaten whoever the hell is in – they've beaten whoever the hell is in front of them with whoever the hell is in that way. You know? Who uh, is it? So it says Matt Murray has been confirmed. Okay. From, so they're, From daily faceoff. So they're going with Matt Murray. Yeah. And we'll see when Samsonov gets back. The injury's taken a little bit longer than I thought. His injury and TJ Brody's injury have been the, oh, wait, how long is this going to be taking? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, hopefully Samsonov comes back. And then, yeah, Matt Murray today, weird time across from USA, England. I'll be watching both, but I think for once, it's a big step for me, caring more about You're going to be watching game. a soccer game more closely than a Leafs game. Probably not. I'm probably a lot of talk, and I'll just end up watching this game. <laughs> I'm just bitter. They took me off my own show for Kipper Bourne and Sammy. I was like, all right, So fine. boycott it. Don't watch it. That's what I'm saying. Nah, I'm just kidding. Yeah, I definitely won't be watching their show. That's, uh, <laughs> You're going to uh, be like me and have two monitors. No, Woo. no chance. Uh, Kevin Woodley, NHL.com, In Goal Magazine, The Goalie Whisperer, um, one of my favorite guys to talk to about with the position. Uh, no, my favorite guy to talk to about the position, okay? Let's sort of backtrack that. Uh, what's up, buddy? How we doing? Uh, we're we're a little we're a little groggy this morning. We may have thought that we were talking do? at ten. T- we may have thought it was ten thirty Pacific time. So mm. we're waking up there. Whose fault is that? Yours or Mark's? No, I'd be mine misinterpreting okay. the message. Okay. So uh, <laughs> you're just mis misreading it the first time. <laughs> I was you... worried about being. I I got a skate at eleven with a bunch of bunch of. So I was worried about being able to make the skate, and uh, you know, evidently I just needed to worry about waking up. But mm-hmm. I'm up now, so. Okay. Uh, yeah. Wait, did How you just you? wake up? Did you just wake up? Like, just now? No, like... no, I've been up since 5.30 to take my kid to volleyball, okay. but uh, then I, I sort of maybe dozed off a little bit. Oh, so. oh, you know what, though? There's nothing sweeter than that. There's nothing sweeter than doing a little bit of productivity in the morning and then kind of just cruising like a little 20-minute sleep and then waking back up and feeling like, hey, um, it's okay because I did something. You know, I've already done something. A nap after you've accomplished something, I count. that counts. Taking the kid to volleyball, that counts. Absolutely 100%. I like it for you. Okay. So good, good. I like the spirit. This is waking me up. Let's yeah. go. See, this is what I'm talking about, buddy. Um, you and I had a really great off-season conversation about the Leafs goaltenders. Um, them taking a flyer on these two guys, getting Matt Murray on the, I, I don't want to say discounted price because his contract is still more than what I think he would have gotten if he was a free agent this off-season, and about Samsonov. And so I kind of wanted to check back in while Matt Murray was playing really well. Because the things that have stuck with me about Murray in our conversation was you needed to see him continue to make the adjustments that were required of him as a modern-day goaltender. That the guy that he was in Pittsburgh was not the guy that was going to work in the modern-day NHL. You also mentioned 
in recalling the conversation that Toronto didn't, the way that they'd been playing stylistically defensively over the past couple of seasons, that they didn't need the the same type of goaltender that they needed when they were the early iteration of the Leafs, the the real game break, game saver, that they needed someone that was going to be able to make shots or make saves from the outside. And right now, I guess the eye test and the traditional numbers are telling us that Matt Murray is playing pretty phenomenally. And I'm curious if what you've seen so far is what you were looking for when we had that discussion during the offseason. Yeah, I mean, it certainly wasn't in the first game, right? Like, it's one of the things we talked about with Matt. Oh, we're not counting that anymore. Okay, good, yeah. good. Because that, that was, I mean, that was old Matt. That was locked in low and wide, um, inability to go lateral east-west. Uh, and because of, because again, when you lock in low and wide, you lose your hands. So, um because everything sort of pulls back. You don't, you're not able to sort of keep them out in front of you. And there's still a little bit of that uh, in, in this run of, of good play, but not as much. Like he's never going to be a guy that's got like, <laughs> you're not going to see a Jenny Nabokov up, up there with the, like the narrow, super narrow stance. Like he's always going to have somewhat of a wider, lower stance than most guys, but he doesn't look as frozen and locked in by it. Like he's not losing his hands because his, you know, chest is dropped and his elbows are pulled back. Like he seems to have better balance in his game since he's come back from this injury, which is encouraging because that first game obviously was, it wasn't just the results of the first game that had me nervous. It was the way he looked, the way he moved, um, the way he was getting his feet so spread out um, uh, to, to the sides. And like I said, locking in low and wide. And so there's a better balance there. His net play looks a little better. Um, not surprised by that under Curtis Sanford. Uh, some of the details in terms of entries and exits out of your reverse uh, and ability. And, and it's funny because a lot of people like, ah, you guys are always talking about reverse VH this and VH that and overlap and post play. And why are goalies so focused on it? Well, in the last five years, plays out of the corners have, have gone up. So like you have to be able to get in out of your post clean. Um, you just have to, because there's so much stuff from below the goal line and out of the corners and things like that. Uh, it's gone up like, like go and slot line plays plays across the middle of the ice below the hash marks are up like 41% over the past five years. Like these are things you have to be able to do as a goalie to manage those plays. And those are things that, you know, in addition to sort of the stance mechanics and the movement mechanics, um, you know, his post play was behind the times in Pittsburgh. And so uh, as those start to catch up, you start to see results. But the, the biggest thing he's done so far is he hasn't given up a bad goal. Um, you know, when I look at some of the numbers on slot line plays, on broken plays, you know, they're, they're, they're expected or a little below expected. But what he hasn't done is he hasn't given up a single low percentage goal this season. And, and again, the sample size is small, um, but that's like, that's just a guy that's doing a really nice job of taking care of the easy stuff, which is what the Leafs need and still doing a good enough job with the hard stuff. So especially when you consider that most of those you know, when I look at it and look at the numbers, a lot of those, you know, out of the slot line plays, giving up four on 13, well, let's not forget the three of those for that first game we're trying to forget, right? Yeah, yeah. the first game to us is a write-off. I, I guess what I'm most surprised by is that first game was as bad of a look as it could get. He looked slow and clunky going post-to-post. He got beat glove side a bunch, which was always the book on Matt Murray, and... Yeah, and then, of course, he ends up getting hurt at a morning skate right after that game. And you went, this could, <laughs> this was... It was it was everything we said 
if it went wrong, this is what it would look like all in right. two days. And and I, I guess the part that I'm having like trouble grappling with is how different he's looked just even a little bit at, like he's looked more athletic since he's come back. And that part of it, I just, I, I don't even really understand. I don't know how he's been able to shore up all of those things to this degree. Uh, I know that the Leafs, again, they've been a good defensive team so far this season. But, yeah, I guess, like, let's start with that one, the post play, because how, how has he been able to change that? Because, again, that very first game, that was the thing that stood out by far the most was looked clunky going post to post. Okay, so post play is more in and out of the post to me as opposed mm-hmm. like, to me, he looked, to me, where he looked bad was um, side to side. When you say post to post, just me east west, like ladder off those rush chances. Yeah. yeah, no, and that's listen. Like we've talked about this before, that's that's locked in low and wide. Um, and and again, to me, it was somewhat. It was more characteristic of old Matt Murray and somewhat uncharacteristic of the changes that I know had been initiated in Ottawa. And so that was the hard part of the, about then the injury the next day is is it left you with this question? Was that just the nerves of first game in a Leafs? It's like, I, I make a lot of analogies between goaltending and golf because it's sort of a solitary, lonely position in a, in a lot of ways. It's, it's a team sport, but you're playing a different sport back there. And much like golf, like you can get into your head. You can't try harder. Those are two similarities between you can't just try harder. You have to let the play come to you. Uh, rarely works in, in golf or goaltending to try harder. And the other thing is we see guys make swing changes in golf. We hear about it a lot. And it'll look great all, all week in a, in a PGA Tour tournament. And then in, when the pressure is up on Sunday on the back nine, all of a sudden the old swing comes back. And that's what I wondered if we were seeing with Matt in that first game is because a lot of the tendencies locked in low and wide that was the old Matt Murray, not the stuff that I, you know, that I believe he had been changing or know he had been changing at Ottawa. And, you know, with Adam Francilia, the, the off-ice trainer he works at in terms of the biomechanics of movement and how he moves around the crease. And when you lock in low and wide, two things happen. You can't move east-west. I mean, think about it. It's simple. If you're in your car right now listening to this, I don't suggest you do this. But if not, get into, get into, a, get into a goalie stance. And then put your legs further and further out. What do we do? As soon as my legs are further out, like in order to move to my left uh, and make a T push or make even, even make a butterfly slide, as soon as I want to push to my left, um, the further out my legs are beyond my shoulders, the wider and lower I am in my stance, the more I have to, in order to disengage the left skate and push with the right, I actually have to sort of pull myself almost away from the direction I want to move to first sort of get that skate off the ice. And then when I go to make my push, because I'm already so extended in my stance, I got no power left. Like that's why you see everything's about keeping her legs under us now in goaltending. And that's why you see a lot of guys playing in a really narrow stance. You think of a guy like UC Saros until he gets into save execution, he keeps things narrow and upright. And that's why he's so quick. And Matt's never going to be UC Saros, but the degree to which, you, you get wide in that sense, limits your mobility. And that's what I saw. Those were the delays I saw in that first game again. And that's, but, but again, that's not how, what he was working towards in Ottawa. That's not what he's been trying to get to. And um, the other thing that when you get wide like that, you tend to get bent over a little bit at the hips and your chest sort of lowers and your hands pull back, your elbows pull back. Um, to the side of your body, and you lose your hands. So 
what did we see? We saw an inability to go east-west. We saw delays in east-west movement, and we saw, hit, you know, we saw all the talk about the glove side. Well, you, a lot of people, when they talk about gloves, and I went through this with Nico Koskinen in Edmonton, oh, terrible glove, terrible glove. And, yeah, he was getting beat on the glove side, but it wasn't the glove. It was all the mechanics that were sort of causing his glove to disappear. Like, he didn't have access to his glove um, because of the way he moved, because of the way he set up on pucks. And so um, we don't most people don't tend to think of the glove being related to the stands, but it directly is. And so if you set up in a, you set up in a way that sort of pulls your elbows back, of course you can't activate your glove. Of course you can't keep it out in front of you. Of course you can't track pucks and move it properly. Like those things all disappear with the stance. And so what we've seen in the last little bit, and again, it's never, he's not going to be UC Saros. So those, those feet aren't going to be right underneath him. He's always going to have a little width to him. And, when he starts to get too wide, what you'll see is when he moves east-west, he won't be able to beat it um, on his skates. He'll end up dropping a knee and sliding across instead. And there's still a little bit of that in his game. And maybe there always will be. But there's an effort at least to sort of limit um, that width in a way that limits his mobility compared to uh, when things are really starting to go off the rails late in Pittsburgh there. And that, to me, is what signifies sort of a chance to be better than he was then. And I think why we saw a better goalie last season in Ottawa, you know, when he was healthy. Do you think that he and the way that the Leafs are playing, the types of shots that the Leafs are giving up recently, that this is a very good fit, that this is a better match than, say, some of the other goaltenders Toronto's had in the past? I also remember, again, our conversation about Jack Campbell specifically was, yeah, that he was a little bit weaker on some of the shots that Toronto would concede. Um, I mean, listen... Like, the Leafs defend really well. I think if you're just a goalie, that's the kind of team you want to play behind. Now, Matt's expected save percentage, though, and again, I haven't filtered out that first game, but it's actually, like, it's not, it's not like, off the charts high. Um, you know, it's his, his, his expected is right around league average. So it's not like he's, like, he's outplaying it by considerable margin right now, even with that first game included. So, you know, a little caveat there, as much as we love the environment in Toronto as goalies, and as much as that's one most guys want to play behind, like, it's not like he's had it super easy in there. He's right around league average, and his performance relative to that is, like, sixth best in the NHL right now. Um, and when you you filter out, like, three super small sample guys, like, um, you know, single game guys, he jumps up to top three. Um, you know, he's, he's, again, his sample is small as well, but he's up there with the Ilya Sorokins of the world in terms of adjusted save percentage early this season. So let's see if that can maintain the guy who's benefiting greatly from the environment right now is Samsonov. Like his, he's got a nine Oh two expected. Um, and that is, I want to say that's probably going to be in the top 10. Um, and sure enough, among, among guys who have played as much as him, that's the fourth highest expected save percentage in the NHL. And that's, that's where we talk about, like, that's a, that's, that's a favorable environment for goaltenders. Hey, and he's still outperforming it just slightly, and it's not as good as it's going to look in the raw numbers again because, you know, the, the, the environment itself is, is sort of insulating him to a significant degree. But in a small sample, that's not necessarily the case with Matt. Like, he's right around league average expected, and his performance is well above it. So, um, you know, again, credit to him. Uh, those numbers change obviously significantly, if not for a few uh, decisions in New Jersey uh, the other night. But um, I think when you look at the way he's playing and the way he's moving, this is closer to what I expected coming out of Ottawa and what I saw out of Ottawa 
than the stuff that had people so concerned uh, when they signed him. So it doesn't look like Samsonov's going to be back for at least the next three games. Maybe he gets eased back in against the Sharks uh, sometime next week. That would be maybe my most optimistic guess. But, yeah, so what have you made about him overall? Because he was kind of one of the stories of the season for the Leafs when they were really struggling. People were circling him as the MVP. You think that his numbers have been a little bit overstated? Uh, I mean, I think his raw numbers are – I mean – Listen, he's out, he's. It's not like he's below expected. He's playing above expected. And and listen, when we talk about expected for those that that don't know what we're talking about. We're just basically using clear side analytics to create, you know, a model that. So we're not comparing apples to oranges. One goalie on one team to the next, or even one goalie on the same team to the next. We sort of adjust for the shot quality. And he was in a very favorable defensive environment. He was still outperforming it, just not at the not at a clip that you know like. Like at a at a rate that would be thirtieth in the league, and I think his raw numbers would probably have people considering him a lot higher than thirtieth in the league. That's where he grades out when you adjust for the quality. But again, for a guy who's trying to make changes in a, in his game, for a guy who's on a new team, adjusting to new teammates and adjusting to it's not so much the system for goalies when you go to a new team, and that's something that you have to consider for Matt too. Like it's not the X's and O's of where guys are supposed to be; it's the tendency of whether they go there. It's where does the guy pinch off the two-on-one? Is he going to pressure high in the zone? Is he going to pressure towards the top of the face-off circles? Um, who can I count on to pressure the way the system dictates they should? And who do I have to worry about maybe not, you know, maybe backing off and giving a guy space off the rush? That takes time to figure out those personal tendencies. Ryan Miller once told me it takes half a season um, to really get to trust a guy. So the fact that Samsonov's performing above expected on the ticket he is, even if it isn't as good as the wrong numbers indicate, like those are all still positives if you're the Toronto Maple Leafs, especially given, you know, what you've got committed to these guys. Yeah. Um, I think that the most optimistic one is guys saying it takes about a month and that's why, yeah, I don't know how this just can't be a massive story for the Leafs so far. At least it's been incredibly positive. I'm shocked that it's been this good. I'm shocked even like that. They've been so good defensively that, uh, yeah, they've been able to hold up, uh, poor Eric Schalgren, who, uh, yeah, is going to continue to get a bit of a run here over the next couple of days. Uh, yeah, Schalgren, I'll put it, I'll put Schalgren in fantasy football terms. Um, he's got a really high floor. Uh, so he takes care of, like, hmm. like if things aren't too dynamic, like the floor's there. He's going to give you that. Uh, it's, and, and it shows in his numbers, like his low percentage and mid percentage stuff. He's got really good numbers. It's the really high danger stuff where, and that's where I'm not sure how high the ceiling is. And that doesn't mean that that can't come with time with reads, with experience as you get more comfortable with the pace of the national hockey league, uh, and get more comfortable reading those, those more dynamic situations, but I'm still not sure. Doesn't mean it's not there, but I'm still not sure how high that ceiling is, but the floor is there. And for a team that defends well, he'll take care of the stuff he's supposed to take care of. He's done that both times he's been up. It's when things get a little out of control and, and laterals start moving both ways that you see the pace sort of, you see him fall behind the pace and the structure that allows him to have all that success on the more controlled stuff uh, starts to fail him a little bit as, as, as those chances and the pace of those chances and the dynamic nature of those chances pick up. And again, that doesn't mean he can't figure all that stuff out too with more time, even in the American Hockey League where you face more of it. Um, but the fact he's got a nice steady floor and a consistency to it, like there's a lot of positives there as well, especially given where he is on your depth chart in the organization. Kevin, uh, always feel smarter after you come on. Thanks for coming on this morning, dude. 
Well, thanks for waking me up and yeah, uh, helping me wake up in a positive mindset. Yeah, so there we go. You sound ready to roll, buddy. You're good. You're good. You're ready for I'm the good day. Now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You are. <laughs> Kevin Woodley, NHL.com, Ingle Magazine. Again, uh, the best in the business when it comes to evaluating the position and sharing it with all of us. A month, two months, usually the case for goalie getting settled, starting to know his defense, and starting to trust his team. The Leafs have played incredibly well. You've you heard it from Kevin. This is somebody who uses more analytics than just about anybody, but who also is a someone who helps train these guys. Like nobody knows this position better than him. So when he tells you that the Leafs are a favorable environment to play behind, then you can believe that. Which again is I don't want to say shocking because they've been good as a team for a couple of seasons now with some turnover and with some injuries, but given the nature of the injuries, TJ Brody and Jake Muzzin chief among them, you would have, yeah, I think you would have asked most people at the beginning of the season, Hey, you're going to lose those guys for a big, long stretch. You're going to have Eric Schalgren in that. What do you think the least defensive numbers are going to look like? Your guess would have been poor, still a good environment to be behind, but makes it even more impressive thinking about a goalie trying to get comfortable behind his group. And I mean this from Matt Murray's standpoint, but also the Leafs that, it has been able to be consistent despite consistency in bodies. So kudos to all those guys involved. Um, we got a game today. It's on the station. It's on the station. It's on the fan. Two o'clock. You can listen to it live. Leafs Nation, 1.30. They'll set you up with the pregame. And then Leafs Talk. Make sure that you subscribe. Make sure that uh, you get the podcast. It'll be up on YouTube right after the game. Uh, Sam McKee, Nick Kiprios, Justin Bourne. They're doing a special version of their show, uh, Leafs post-game reaction. And then, yeah, subscribe to this podcast. Share it. Do all those nice things. Go Canada, go. We'll see you Monday.